Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorne, action movie screenwriter. And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster. And together we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere. Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre. So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard. Ooh, very nice. Then Die Hard on a Blank is for you. Yes, you personally. Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, drop December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line. Now we have a podcast. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. I'm Liam Billingham. I'm George Rogopoulos. Hi, everybody. We're not doing our usual, because it's a bonus episode, George. I change it up for this. Oh, my God. Don't get so upset. Yeah. Um, George. Do we normally record bonus episodes without our pants on? Because I got to tell you. Zip. That's me actually putting my (laughs) pants back on. I I thought you were cool with this. I like the sound effects of zip. Zip. It was very convincing. I'll add the Foley later. Hang on. Let me just hit the button on the sound pad. Zip. Zip. Ooh, nice! Right, zip, How much did that sound? Zip, zip, zip! Six thousand dollars. It's about the about the same as the oh, new dishwasher. We're in the red. Um, George, did you like Arthur growing up? No, but <laughs> well, I have to be honest. I'm you didn't. I, you weren't an am Arthur. Am I going to lie yard? to Keith? That's true. You couldn't lie to Keith. But I did like. I did actually enjoy the books. I vaguely remember reading That's the books. That's what I was asking you about. Oh, I thought you meant like the TV show. No, I think we're a little too um, old for the TV show. Hasn't it been hasn't it been around for like a decade at least? Yeah, but we're in our thirties. No, I'm thir- I'm twenty one. You look great. You look <laughs> <Thank> great. You. <laughs> like, um, like so, you couldn't say that without laughing. Yes, you, Ar- look, you look great. Arthur the Yardvark was a Yardvark whose books were big when we were kids, and um, Arthur. It was a show about uh, nothing. Show about, show about I like that episode about what's um, the deal? where Arthur is dating that woman um, whose uh, name rhymes with the female body part and doesn't know uh, what name it is. Dolores! Um, <laughs> Arthur Timothy Reed. So there was the book series and the PBS children's show. Um, he lives in Elmwood City and he's eight years old. Stop stalking the guy. <laughs> um, and the reason oh, you're we're, talking about Arthur. Yeah, the reason we're talking about <laughs> Arthur Reed, Arthur the Yardvark, is because Arthur... The Arthur Show on PBS had an episode with Philip Seymour Hoffman, wow. who he played William Fillmore Toffman. Amazing. A theater so director from Capital City, I think was the name of the city. He's pretty much playing himself. And so um, my my coworker, Mike, who's I am Spartacus on Instagram and Twitter, well, I guess Instagram, came to me and said, hey, I want to be on the show, but I want to talk about the episode of uh, Arthur that Philip Seymour Hoffman was on. And I was like, what? So, um, yeah, I sat down with him last week and we recorded a quick little episode. And this is it. Quick little episode. Hang on, we got to do that again because there was some kind of buzz. So, yeah, we sat together l- last week and recorded a quick little episode. What was episode. the lighting like? Um, it was kind of track lighting. Yeah. yeah. Um, why did you 
I was just, just set, up, set the scene set the for scene. us. Yeah, where were you sitting? Uh, we were sitting. What was he wearing? What were you wearing? Um, nothing. No, wow. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it was weird. Truth comes out. Work setting. Um, I mean, but I think Arthur brings that out in people. <laughs> really gets them going. Yeah. Um, we'll be back at the end. George actually hasn't heard the recording yet. So I'm excited. Um, he's going to listen to it with you now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, enjoy this interview with Mike Carroll. It's not really an interview. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Liam Billingham, co-host of Uber Busters. George couldn't be here with us today because, fun fact, it's 9.30 in the morning and he just woke up. So I'm here with Michael Carroll. Hi, Mike. Hi, Liam. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, pleasure to be talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman and uh, to be talking about this particular performance. So when you say this particular performance, which performance are you talking about? We're talking about him playing William Fillmore Hoffman on the PBS children's show Arthur. And I didn't know this existed. You you drew you pointed this out to me. Yeah, I didn't know this existed. I've been listening to your podcast for some time, and I uh, was looking at Philip Seymour Hoffman's oeuvre more Ooh. closely, and uh, this little thing popped up, and I wondered, what what does he look like as a bear? Is he? Oh, that's right. He is a bear in this. He's a bear, and you know what? I think he should have been a chameleon. Why? Because you. Oh. Because if he, if he was a vegetable, he'd be an onion. Because there are layers. Layers. Um. So, I watched a good chunk of this episode. I I think it's hilarious that his character's name is William Fillmore Toffman. Anyway, you could turn my m- headphones. Oh down yeah, you're monitoring. Let's yeah. turn that up. Tell me if that's better. Let's uh, down just a little. Oh, down, down, down. How's yeah, that? That's much. I better. also talk very loud. Yes. Sorry about that. I'm going to try to keep it keep it to a minimum here. No problem. Um. Do you want to tell? Are you an Arthur fan? No, I'm not an Arthur fan. Did you um, read it growing up? I, I I did not read it growing up. I think I was just a little too older for it. I spent years thinking that this was in some way a Dudley Moore uh, thing. You know, like kids because are watching. Because of the film. Yeah. And then, and then um, I was vaguely aware that there was some tie-in with some mac and cheese boxes that I was buying. I don't remember that. Yeah. Uh, and then um, now I'm thinking there's probably going to be kids growing up thinking uh, – there's a movie with um, uh, uh, Russell Brand. That's that. Is that it would called be a, Arthur? Oh, that's right. The, right, the remake. Yeah, sort of a ubiquity to the name Arthur in popular mm-hmm. culture. I I do not have a big relationship with the Arthur franchise. I read the books when I was little, but I would never say I was a huge fan. I remember there being a, a Halloween book where he dressed up as a superhero and that was very popular in second ah. grade. Um, but we should say that this episode, which is called No Acting Please, was the first episode of season 13 of the television show. Do you want to tell us what happens in this episode? Well, this character named Fern, who I couldn't quite get the... I couldn't tell. I, I believe she's a deer. She looks like a deer. Uh, possibly a goat. Either way, th- there's no antlers or, or horns. Um, and she uh, is um, invited she's by her dog. friends. She's a dog. Fern is a dog. Oh, that's fascinating. Fern is an anthropomorphic dog with tannish gray fur. This is two grown men going through the, that's, that's good the to Arthur know. Wiki. I'm just on arthur.fandom.com slash wiki. She and her friend Muffy uh, are trying out for this play. No, she's not even invited into the play. Um, her friend Muffy is trying out for this play. Muffy, I believe, is strongly like an orangutan of some sort. And um, there just, is a new uh, – there's a there's a famous uh, playwright. Muffy named, is a monkey. Named William Fillmore Toffman. Played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is uh, directing 
this uh, performance of uh, the play is called uh, The Whistle, Please. Um, no, it's called uh, It Began with the Whistle. And uh, the role has a the play has a role for a small child. Right. It's called the I Began with the Whistle. It began right? with the whistle, and um, she is playing. So she goes to this audition. She is just being herself. Uh, her friend is uh, acting up to everything. Um, uh, William Fillmore Toffman notices Fern and approaches her. He, he, did you watch? You you watched, yeah, watched this it. part, and and he kind of says, "You have such slender shoulders," and you, yeah, yeah it's it, a little it, weird, right? Yeah, your your look uh, it won't translate to the podcast, but it, I would describe it as cringy. It was a little cringy. I mean, the whole in in maybe in retrospect, yeah, not to get too far off the plot here, but the whole uh, the whole show uh, putting Hoffman into this thing he at least was at least keeping with some of his cringier characters maybe I don't know if this was intentional or not anyway he asks Fern to be in the play she uh, agrees to it she then goes through a generic 12 minute kids cartoon plot of learning how to act learning how to act learning how to believe in herself not uh, going too far into the method not rehearsing and over rehearsing but reacting to the people around her she does the play. She gets an applause. Um, the end. And it's it's a it's a good little thing. I think um, it's also it's sort fine. of it is fine. But I think that um, what did, did you enjoy it? You know, uh, you're not it, an it, Arthur it, fan. It, I, it, you're not it's, like it's, a super. It washes fan. over me, you know, right? Uh, like 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 a lukewarm shower. Um, <laughs> it, Raves Michael Carroll. Yeah. But what is interesting is um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, being uh, uh, an avatar of himself. Yes. Uh, and that's sort of what sort of pinged me about it. It's also incredibly, well, I don't know if it's incredibly, but we, not only is it interesting because, yeah, you're seeing him playing this Philip Seymour Hoffman, this this character, right? Yeah, very, like, uh, theatrical. Yes. And, and Wellesian. A theater director. Yes. But what I like about it is, and it seems like the writers of this show um, know their stuff because they're not what I think is really nice about it and what it gives an interesting opportunity to talk about is not Philip Seymour Hoffman the film guy but mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman the theater guy the actor the actor because they make reference to known for such works as True East and Jimmy Hop the Sea Train yes True East is clearly a True West reference I the Sam Shepard I didn't quite get um, which you know he sort of I believe he played yeah he played opposite John C. Riley. Yes, in the eighties and nineties, and it was uh, a recorded production. I, I had a, I saw a videotape of it many, many years ago. Oh, how, um, at like how, a, how was Riley at Bates College Library? He was great. They were yeah, both great. Of course. Um, but Jimmy hopped the C train is a reference to Jesus hopped the A train, which is a play by Stephen Adley Gurgis, who has you know done a bunch of stuff and been like sort of a, a a huge stalwart of the theater community in New York City for a long time and, and worked with Philip Seymour Hoffman and his company, the Labyrinth Theater Company, yeah. for and many years. And wrote that Baz Luhrmann show, The Get Down, I think, okay. that well, was on no Netflix. perfect. Give him a break. Okay. Uh, and then, do you understand, was there something deeper to It Began With The Whistle? Um, actually, let's... Something depression or Anyway. Yeah, I mean, it could have... When I looked at the set, it, it sort of looked... The set that they show in the episode, it sort of looked like... Um, 
let's say it looked a little bit like true west a little like sure. sort of this like deserty but that's yeah. different because that's like it's desert kind of yeah it's kind of a different I, I mean, thing again i i think what's interesting about this stuff is philip seymour hoffman but just while we're, while we're on it i you know i it, it is very clever and i think that that's one of the things that irked me watching it is is um uh you know you're making a show for children they're not going to get this um, you know, it's twice as clever by half. But uh, I kind of like that because it doesn't really matter. It's a, it might be something for the adults. It's I don't know. There's something enjoyable. There, about there's something it. for the adults, but you know, um, I you know, I I I'm not interested. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Uh, you know, if if I'm watching something for children, you know, uh, I like it to actually be for children, and I feel like that that is a differentiation between watching something that is. Um, like for adults, but also for children. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that there's anything uh, demeaning about watching Mister Rogers. I think that that you, so you sort of mean that shows that, that are okay a little stronger, but shows that are too clever. It feels like it's maybe condescending. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I would I would put um, this episode of Arthur, which is a random episode, sure, against anything from Pee Wee's Playhouse. And, okay, and I think that Pee Wee would uh, would shine a lot. Pee Wee would that. shine. Yeah. Um, anyway, but 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 again, let, but Philip, uh, I'm sorry, William Fillmore Toffman. The question isn't who is William Fillmore Toffman, but why. <laughs> Tell me more it's about William that. Phil Moore Toffman. So there, there, there is so so. There's a history here. There's there's um, characters like Rover Dangerfield, um, uh, and there's uh, James Woods in The Simpsons. Okay, you know, playing versions of them coming onto a cartoon, and obviously there are constraints. They they their their instruments are very um, uh, handicapped. They, right. they can't they can't express themselves physically. They 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 may, you know they're probably not even writing you know there's very little input that they have outside of the voice and listening in prep in preparation for the show i went back to an old terry gross interview uh her post-mortem for philip seymour hoffman and it was interesting um her playing interviews over the years and hoffman his neutral interview voice you know i you would maybe be able to speak to this better he seemed to like change very often. There were times when, you know, like, uh, like she would play stuff from early on in his career in the late nineties where he sounded like kind of a surfer dude, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he's not on, he's, he's, well, he's on, but he's, you know, he's, he's ostensibly supposed to be playing himself later on. He sounds more like, uh, like an Ivy leaguer, you know, like in just like a resting voice. I, I hear, I, this is what I hear now. I, you know, I didn't know the man personally, obviously, sure. but just going off of that, so it is interesting that in 2009, he's put onto PBS, and this is how he chooses to do himself. I, did you have any thoughts on that? I mean, you, you've heard him uh, speak more than I have, I'm um, sure. Well, I'm actually just looking. I wanted to see what else was going on in 2009 for him as an actor, just because I was curious. Oh, that's, um, that's, I like that. So 2009, he the films that came out at least were... The Invention of Lying, which I believe is a Ricky Gervais film, Pirate Radio, and Mary and Max. Um, he's just off of Doubt in Synodoki, New York, which um, mm-hmm. and uh, he's coming up on directing Jack Goes Boating, which was based on a play he did yeah. in New York. Um, you know, I, t- to be honest, I haven't listened to that postmortem. I should the Terry Gross piece. I should go back and find it, but. Um, 
you mentioned earlier there's the quality of being a chameleon um and the voice being different i think that no matter what voice you heard whether it's the kind of like desperate voice that you hear in things like boogie nights mm-hmm. and happiness but and then that much more terrifying thing he does in mission impossible 3 or the master it's always the same core kind of kind of thing and and you know I, I, he is chameleon like and you've got to wonder like i don't get the feeling that philip seymour C- and again i don't know the man mm. either um but i do have some interesting in life stories what that i, I that, I, that this, this episode made me think of that i never talked about on the show as but, a human um, is he never seemed to relish the attention yeah um so well uh, whereas maybe some actors like doing the interviews and like doing that you don't get the sense that he's like pushing away from that stuff or won't do it or is mm. a dick. He doesn't have that like quality that sometimes you'll see in an interview with an actor where they're clear, like Bruce Willis, whenever you see him do a photo, oh, yeah. he's, pro, pro, he's, he's just, not, he's checked out mm-hmm. or downright hostile. Mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman never seemed that way. I think he saw it as like a least let it less appealing component of the art, but it was yeah. something he would do. But again, and I've said this, I may be beating this drum to death. There's just this quality of a guy ex- always existing in the real world. And what I loved about, this looking at these acting things is I moved to New York in 2008 Mm -hmm. and about a month after I moved here, I went to see a play at um, the public theater Mm -hmm. and it was a, I had a friend who worked there Mm -hmm. and he got us tickets or just said, let's go to the dress rehearsal of a play that they did, which um, was called the little flower of East orange, Mm -hmm. which um, was written by Stephen Adley Gurgis and and Alan Burstyn. And it was like a pretty informal dress rehearsal. And I remember walking into the theater and like looking up and like there was Philip Seymour Hoffman on stage, like on stage or side of the stage, like waiting for it to start. Mm -hmm. And he was just kind of like, he was just in the theater because it was a dress rehearsal and the friend who brought me worked at the public. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. unusual for people to be there. And he just had like, you know, jeans, hat, Mm -hmm. sweatshirt. How How was his scruff? He was actually clean, if I recall, because okay. he looked baby-faced. And I remember being totally just like, there's Philip mm-hmm. Like, just, like, transfixed. But, like, you're transfixed by the most regular-looking <laughs> dude in the world yeah. who's attained this kind of status. But what was appealing to me is, like, this guy's a movie star. I saw mm-hmm. him in a movie, like, last week, and here he is in person. And he always seemed approachable in that way. Like, I would when I would be down in that part of the city, I'd see him around the city. I mean, he lived down there, I think. Yeah. Um, he died not far from there so Mm. it was to see to see him sort of personified in this children's show is like hello hi this kind of big character obviously a parody of of him as a person but then to think about him as like a real person existing making art still and as little as 11 years ago yeah and and i think that's is interesting yeah and 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 what that that gets me thinking of is is who you know when you think of him neutrally you know what is the role what is the what is the shot what is the you know what is the moment um and and it, what's that you, for you it, it, it's nothing it's it, it, that's what i think is so interesting about him is is how ethereal he is he you know and, and they, he's not the only actor who attains this but he's definitely one of the best where um you know yeah my my brain pings to just all sorts of different roles uh doubt and uh well happiness and uh you know, Boogie Nights, um, you know, The Master. Uh, it's funny because it is sort of the the smaller cider roles that he tends to. 
He really shines in. He really shines in. And then it's those ones where he's sort of front and center, um, which I tend not to think about as much. And maybe that's just the lack of watching more of them before the devil knows you're dead. Um, and, and, and Before the Devil Knows You're Dead is unique from Mission Impossible 3. You know, uh, they're, they're all unique characters. Um, so uh, it does make sense um, that, you know, you put him on stage and he's almost, uh, you know, there's nothing but theater. Right. Uh, it's almost a little disappointing. You kind of wonder, can he create something uh, something else because the the feeling uh, again uh, I have is that if they couldn't have gotten Philip Seymour Hoffman they would have gotten Sam Shepard and he would have been you uh, know, Ham Ham Shepard or you know I'd be interested to Ham Shepard Ham, well okay, we should call the Arthur people <laughs> oh he passed away last year yeah 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 oh. um you know I think yeah it doesn't feel like you know granted it it doesn't seem like he was the type of guy to be grandstanding based no, on like no. what little I saw of him. And he just seems like a regular guy. Um, I once saw him eat a hot dog. Funny story. <laughs> um, not to brag. Not to brag. Um, but you know, I think it's hard to say, except that there was nothing that there was nothing performative about him. I feel mm. like in his performances, there was mannerism or he could yeah, be mannered and things like the master. Yeah. So just to come back to the moment when I just saw him, like it was the only, it's very rare in life that you get to see someone famous mm-hmm. in the true element where they feel most comfortable, which I think was the theater for him mm-hmm. and just existing. And I'll kind of like, obviously I made a podcast about the guy, so yeah, I have yeah. strong feelings about him. And yeah. so to just see him exist in that moment for whatever amount of time it was, you know, 2008, I was 25, mm-hmm. whatever, 26. And I was just like, there's probably the coolest guy, the guy, guy who I think has been the coolest guy since I was 14, 11 feet in front of me or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? So, but it, but it didn't seem like he was, Imagine sort of being very famous. You've been up for a bunch of Academy Awards. You're doing a play. You're directing a play at a big, reputable theater. You know, there's a dress rehearsal. There's people around you haven't seen. And he didn't seem affected by... He didn't seem self-aware of his own fame mm-hmm. in that moment. And again, I didn't have a conversation with him or anything. But it, it always it always sort of impressed me that he could just exist. Which yeah. maybe sounds ridiculous. But that would explain... That sort of gets at my own sort of, like, fascination with him as a person. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he was performative, and that's what, to, you know, thinking about things like the master, that's the closest it gets to a kind of mannerism. But he's playing a huckster. Yeah. And, and a con and, man. And, and also this, and uh, William Fillmore Toffman, you know. Yes. Uh, so, so it's sort of funny. You know, maybe uh, maybe he, he, he did the role, and then he was like, I should go more into this. And then and then he talked to Paul Thomas Anderson, then the master, this joke isn't going anywhere. I don't know. I don't think it's a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> This was a a rushed <laughs> recording. <laughs> um, but no, I think it is really interesting to also look at the... We've lost Michael. I think it's interesting also to look at how... This is probably the closest to a childish kind of thing he's going to do. Like, it's warm and inviting and sweet. Yeah. And that's what the the part requires. And it's a nice break from the doom and gloom of a lot of the other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems confident. Yeah, there's a confidence that you don't really get. There's like a and that's warm, sort of, gentle confidence, and in that's sort of what the whole episode is: is like being, getting uh, a child to be in that place, uh, sort of in a roundabout way, because he is uh, again doing the bombastic. 
And also, I, we're waving our arms oh, around yeah, as, we, so as we do William Fillmore well, Tuffman. William we're, Fillmore Tuffman. We're, we're waving our arms around, which isn't going to read. I also think it might. Maybe people hear whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. How's my Foley? Yeah. Get at me. Um, I also think it's nice to see him play a genuine nice guy. Yeah. Change of plate. Change and of face. the idea of him as like a teacher or something like that is really mm-hmm. interesting. So, All right. Final thoughts. Um. Uh, no, it, it was good to t- it was good to, th- to spend a minute. We're gonna you know have a chance to think more about this when we look at his later episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when we look at later movies, we're gonna have a better chance to talk about this when we look at things like Jack Goes Boating. But mm-hmm. it's nice to see him do something like this. Th- final thoughts from you? Anything you want to add? No, I think uh, no, I have nothing. Can you tell me before you go like what your favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman performance is, if you have one, or I've been, a I've been film? listening to your podcast it just it's just, it's just it's just the goddamn happiness is it really is it happiness <laughs> well it's 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 the mumbling it's not even oh, i you're rewatching those scenes it's like it's such a small part of the like, yeah yeah i watched the game <laughs> like that's as much of it as anything else um do you remember where you were when you found out he died i was i was at i was uh, at i was at work it was a big day that was a big day it's a sunday Yes. Mm-hmm. I was still working on Sundays. I was on a plane. Oh, yeah? And I landed and had five text messages. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, what? Oh, it was awful. Yeah. Um, one thing I just want to say, I want to leave this as a as maybe a parting note, but in the trivia for fandom.arthur.com. This is not funny. It's not funny. It's actually really sad. Mm. But uh, under the trivia, it said he is a parody of his own voice actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It is unknown if he is still alive as his voice actor is deceased. I mean, way to suck all the fun out of doing an arthur.fandom.com it's slash a little, wiki. It's a little um, depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking the other day that sometimes it can be hard to remember that he's gone when you watch these movies. Yeah. Like, because a, as a, he'll always exist in some media, right? Mm-hmm. So to, to kind of have to reckon with that is is, is difficult. And the things we lost uh about him as an actor um it's a lot of stuff it's a lot of stuff that could have been fucking sucks man fucking sucks uh this was great though it's good you know it wasn't you know it didn't fucking suck (laughs) talking about arthur with you mike oh thank you so much thanks for coming okay Bye 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 All right, there we go. That, thank you, Michael. Yeah, thanks, Mike. It was kind of a cool little oddity that I didn't know existed yeah, until he that. brought it up. Um, and uh, made me a little sad because it sort of uh, makes you think about Philip Seymour Hoffman. It does, of And course. his passing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm Liam <laughs> I'm, Billing- no. <laughs> I'm Liam Billingham. <laughs> I'm George Fergopoulos. And uh, death waits for no man. <laughs> or for all men. All men. <laughs> and women. 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 Pretty much anything that lives will eventually (laughs) die. Will die. die. So on that note, bye. Cheers, everybody. Take care. See you next week, (laughs) I think. Thanks for listening.